Welcome to Sonic Talk number 341. Today, uh, oh, what is the day? It's somewhere in December, isn't it? I can tell because the Christmas lights have gone up and everything, so it must be getting there. 4th of December, only just. Welcome, everybody, to another show. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for everybody joining us in the chat room. If you've not been here before, sonicstate.com forward slash live at 4pm UK time will bring you to a secret stream where you can, uh, if you're lucky, uh, like today, you might get the preview of a review that I'm doing. For instance, I've just... Uh, played the chat room the uh, review the the preview of the Waldorf Pulse 2 review which I've just finished or I'm just finishing um, but to, besides that the chat room can help us with uh, with all sorts of um, well I call them our giant mega brain because they often or turbo brain I think it is where they quite often help us on uh, when I'm struggling for for information at my fingertips so welcome one and all uh, there's a live chat room and a live stream anyway I've done that bit now I want to say hello again we've uh, changed things up a little bit this week I'm still back on um, we've only got three guests because my laptop uh, while it's been in the shop for another week they haven't found anything wrong with it, so they've just wiped all the software off it. So now when I get it back, I'm going to enjoy uh, a weekend of trying to remember what I had installed on it because what I've been doing for the last three machines is just doing a migration assistant. So I've just got tons of stuff that I probably can't find the serial numbers for anymore. Anyway, that's sort of um, beside, this, beside the point. Let's introduce some guests. Uh, I think we'll start with uh, Mr. Robbie Bronneman. Uh, there he is. He's got two ends in both parts of his name. Robbie Bronman, of course, is uh, in his lovely studio where he's been. You've been on on tour with Howard Jones over the last couple of times because you did join us a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, no, been out for the was out last week and in rehearsals the week before. So yeah, it's kind of the culmination of a year's worth of work on a new a new album project and sort of presenting that. And um, it's Howard's thirtieth anniversary this year, so we did like a. A show with three sets it was acoustic set and the new album and then a kind of hits and rarities set as well so yeah it's kind of been a long old slog and it's but it was great and now it's kind of over did you get to use your um delicious uh, bank of eight launch pads then yeah yeah i they they kind of i had a few issues with um i had a real industrial strength 10 port usb hub um which worked fine in all the rehearsals um, but it didn't like a couple of the venues' power, so uh, there was a lot of frantic resetting oh, of Jesus. the stream. But you know, oh. it, it kind of yeah. Ouch. Well, um, perhaps you yeah. can tell us a little bit about stadiums later, because we have, in fact, uh, we've got a topic uh, which sort of is about that. So it'd be nice to talk to you about it. Uh, anyway, we'll join our other guests now. We've also got Mr. Non Eric over there from Muso Talk, who is our is like a, a German mirror image of me, but with hair. <laughs> And, and talent. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I buy the one. The thing with the hair, I buy that. Don't know about the rest. Uh, non Eric uh, Muser talk. If you've not seen it, is uh, basically it's like a. a, a, a a German language equivalent of kind of the sort of thing that we do. We do the same sort of technology. We do live streaming videos and all music technology, and uh, um, but uh, Mr. Non Eric is based there in Berlin. And we're we're back in the back office today, then, are we? We've been ousted from yes. your main studio. No, I needed to sit down. I did. Uh, my swim training was a bit too too uh, uh, 
Um, demanding today, oh. so I like to sit. Ah, well, I'm glad to hear that. Anyway, uh, nice to have you aboard. And we'll go over to Bristol, where we've got Mr. Gaz Williams, gazwilliams.me, who's a music technologist, professional musician, producer, bass player. Uh, we look like we're you. You actually look like you're sat in the opposite corner of the same room to, to non Eric, <laughs> but you're not. <laughs> no, I'm in the office, office today, so. Are you back? On, are you on the iPad again? Are we? Um, or are you on the yeah. iMac? Yeah, this is the this is the iPad. Oh. So, so yeah, it seems better than my laptop actually for connection and for uh, yeah. video quality. <laughs> it's, it's astonishing, isn't it? Anyway, nice to join you. Um, I, I guess really first this week because this is a topic that was kind of a bit off piste uh, was the news of Cubase Cubase seven point five. Now I've got a video to play, which I could play, which has kind of got the high points, or uh, you could just dig right in because I know that Gaz, you're a Cubase user, or at least have been for mm-hmm. quite some time, and also uh, non Eric, I know that you've had it in and did a special on it, so. Uh, I guess, if, let me just play a little bit of this first, because that'll probably help uh, kind of get the memory. What it looks like with Cubase 7.5 was announced probably uh, uh, four or five days ago, and it's got some pretty interesting versions of stuff. A track or a group of tracks. Track versions work on audio, MIDI, instrument, chord, tempo, and signature tracks. And these seem like sort of a, a different way of using playlists, but for all kinds of tracks. But you can compare different audio edits or even create chord track versions to addition completely different chord progressions for your song. Let's grab an audio track that already has a take on it. Now, I'm not going This looks like the probably the biggest major feature, as I understand it. I am not a Cubase user anymore. I mean, I used to be uh, many moons ago, uh, but I am not so much now. I don't know. Uh, Robbie, are you, are you a Cubase person at all or are you kind of uh, in the logic uh, world? I kind of came through the route of the old Steinberg Pro 12. 24 that business started with Cubase and um, was with Cubase for a while when, when it was offering better audio at the beginning yeah. before Logic yeah. and I quickly switched to Logic and I've been a Logic user ever since uh, well, uh, well... four years ago I did try because I was getting a bit frustrated with the kind of surround capabilities of Logic so I, I bit the bullet and I got Cubase the latest version at the time and I sat in the studio with it for four days and I thought, oh, I just can't deal with this. I don't understand what I'm doing. It's taking <laughs> time. I'm moving back to logic. I just, you know, it's just, it's you know, what you know. It's interesting, though, because Cubase definitely has made a lot of big, uh, uh, big changes in the last, probably the last two iterations. So, uh, Hans, I think we'll go over to you because you've probably studied it more recently and more in depth than uh, certainly I have. Well, yesterday we did a live stream. Uh, with two beta testers and somebody, uh, Helga, who is a product marketing manager from Steinberg, and went through a couple of the features. I think what is really uh, um, nice about the 7.5 is the 0.5 iteration of the software because most of the big DAW companies have now like a two or three year cycle where they just have major updates. And I prefer to have a little in-between update, get some new features, then the company can get some feedback on that and improve on it, yeah. whereas it's like eat or die, you know. And um, it, as you mentioned, the, the, the track feature here, I think the playlist feature is great, but the one thing I don't like about it is that it only deals with the events on that track. So if you, had like, if you have plugins or if you're using the inspector ah, to what right. I... Hmm. What I use, sometimes do is I delay uh, tracks for the feel, and then I'd like to quickly compare the different feel, and uh, that wouldn't work because uh, it doesn't um, also 
copy the inspector, which is like the re- the playback parameters. Ah, like, okay. Uh, ah, well, that 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 they neglected to mention that, and that's actually quite a big deal, isn't it? But I guess it was a marketing video. Um, Gaz, have you had a chance to have a look as well? Maybe you can trade uh, tips. Yes, I think we're still downloading, right, Gaz? Just like me. I'm still downloading it. Yeah, uh, I've been downloading it for the last three hours, I think. So I thought I was going to be coming on the show full of experience. Uh, I mean, it just became available at 2 p.m. Uh, Central European time. Uh, so an hour ago. And I've been tr- uh, no been trying to download two, three hours ago ever since. Uh, yeah, where one yeah one o'clock here, I think it was. And um, but there's some major major things in this update. I am um, you know I, I've been having this dalliance with uh, logic recently which i've been talking about but i have to say i i've gone off it again <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> so fickle <laughs> i know it's terrible but partly i think the logic audio engine isn't very good i mean you know you try and do certain things and it like solo in or just and it just seems to take an age to engage and um i don't know there, there's definitely something a bit weird with logic uh but the Cubase things that I'm really looking forward to uh, with this new version, definitely the, the, is playing around with the track version specifically on the chord track. Now, that, I think, looks like a really, really powerful feature. And just to, uh, just to explain that a little bit, when you've got a chord track in Cubase, then all your MIDI tracks, you can assign your MIDI tracks to follow the chord track. Um, so if the chord track... You know, so you could have multiple chord tracks. Uh, an example now might be you could have. Uh, oh, sorry, I can't get my iPad in the right way. He's oh. all over the place. Uh, <laughs> Need a better um, stand. Yeah, you can get like say you could have a bunch of chords. Like let's just say a really easy G, C, and D chord progression, and all your MIDI tracks are following that chord progression then you could have an alternate track. You know, maybe that could be like a major, in major key. Then you could have like an alternate chord track with, all, with the same chords, but all in a minor key. So if you were working on a tune for uh, maybe like a film or something and the director was coming in, you could, have, um, you could have different versions of the same tune with different types of chords, you know, like moodier chords or right. happier chords. And, and just be able to, and just simply by toggling the... the 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 track um, version of the chord track it'll ch- change the whole project mm. so uh, potentially quite a powerful tool I think the uh, the other thing which also should be I mean there's a bunch of stuff in this up, update uh, I know some people complain about uh, a point five being a paid update and this is like a yeah, forty nine euro yeah yeah you get an awful lot for your money. There's um, one of the big things is the Groove Agent 4 looks very much like Machine. It looks like they've virtually copied Machine in so many ways and have now got a, you know their own version of Machine running inside a Cubase. Uh, it's, got, it's got so many features similar to Machine. So that's quite an interesting thing. Um, 
there's an algorithmic reverb coming out as well. Which... It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I, I like the idea um, from what, of what Hans was saying, Nora was saying about the, the idea of, of taking iteration, because, I mean, I know, Robbie, you know, from our point of view, as, reason, as, as logic users, we had to wait bloody years. I mean, but I guess that might yeah. suit you, because if you're working day and night on projects, you don't really want to cope with a major DAW upgrade, do you? And to be honest with you, I've got Logic, logic X, and I went through all the trauma of updating my system from... Um, Leopard to well, no, not leopard. The lion to mountain lion, and um, every time I come to a new project, I've got like a deadline, and I open Logic X, and I go, "Oh no, it's not this project. I'm going to do it on the next project." <laughs> so I haven't. I've I've only really dabbled with it. I just can't. I just feel like a total novice because you go, "Where's that thing in that menu? Oh, it's gone from now. I just haven't got time." Right, move back to Logic, Logic 64. You know, nine. Um, but yeah, so I I, I vowed that after Christmas, the first major project I do, I'll 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 bite the bullet and get on with it. Yeah, I mean, I think. Have you got any other stuff to add? I mean, because obviously you've done a special. What did what was the prime the big takeaway from the beta testers that you that you got from your special, Hans? Well, um, obviously, what I was really interested in is a new uh, drum plugin. Which offers twelve-bit uh, vintage sounds oh, uh, <laughs> and the built-in in, in mixer. I think what really needs to be said is that Steinberg is doing a great job in trying to incorporate new workflow uh, ideas and feedback from the user. But now it's already a pretty big program, yeah. and I think if for them it's very very hard to make it simpler because you try to add stuff that. Uh, um, helps the workflow, but if it at the same time it's another option, another click or another button, then at the end of the day you add a lot of complexity to it. Yeah. But uh, what I, what the, my feedback is, is um, why I'm just like gas, uh, maybe coming back to Cubase is that uh, after we did a lot of tests on DAWs uh, with uh, latency issues, input latency compensation problems, and other stuff, we found that as Cuba is one of the most stable uh, there in the pack in, in all respects. And what is great, what I think is a problem for me, especially with Logic, is that the mixer only has, two, I think, 256 steps, so it's very crude in the way. And Steinbeck is all always been always much much better than logic for example i think the logic one is pretty old yeah well we've we've been through that before i just want to quickly uh hello big hello to uh Rich Hilton is in the chat room. He's on the road with Sheik. Uh, he's in Kuala Lumpur at the moment and australia tomorrow he says in the uh in the chat room for two weeks so yeah i i, I wouldn't mind being in australia for two weeks from tomorrow because um mm -hmm. frankly the weather here's rubbish and then I could just come back and go straight to Nam. That'd be lovely, rather than deal with all the Christmas stuff. Yeah. This one last thing about Cubase I'd like to mention. I think a very good thing, and I'd like to see other DAWs follow suit, is the track visibility options, which is a, such a obvious idea, really. Um, and what that is is that you can. Uh, well, in fact, they they introduced it first in Cubase Seven on the mixer and now this is, applies in the arrangement page with the 7.5 update and what that essentially means is that you can just select certain tracks and only have those tracks visible and all the other tracks can kind of be um just temporarily uh, yeah. you know uh, 
So, and you can save those. So you could have just your drum tracks or you could have just your vocal tracks or whatever. Uh, and you can synchronize that with your mixer as well. So that looked, that, can, that did look pretty nice, actually, yeah. that whole kind of workflow. It's mm. almost like you can create the entire version history in one document there rather than what I often do when I'm working, certainly in Logic. I don't know if you find the same thing, Robbie. You get to a certain point, you save, then you, you know, you go on and then you need to come back. And that, that, that grabbing that information and what have you is, uh, it can be a bit cumbersome. It's certainly easier in other DAWs. How do you tend to manage that, Robbie? Uh, well, I, I'm I am really kind of uh, I'm a real Virgo when it comes to to working in Logic, and I try and I try and just get rid of everything I don't need as I go, and I save multi. You know, I keep saving new versions of the project, so I've got old projects. So I tend to kind of housekeep totally the whole time as I go along. Um, everything's everything's meticulously color coded and named and labeled, and you know, so it's um it's not so much of an issue for me. But you, you uh, but you would go back in. You you have a versioning sort of system where you go. Yeah. You know, this this song point six means yeah. that. Yeah. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. But there's there's sorry there's another feature uh, regarding visibility in there, and I don't know if you know about it, but it's great. You can actually choose to only display the tracks that are actively playing at a certain song position. Oh, right. So it dynamically changes Yes, the... which is great. You know, you just have the stuff that's actually playing in your timeline, so it makes it much much easier to find the stuff that you're hearing. I think that's... That's great. I great. Mean, that sort of thing. I mean, for those of us who create massively complex arrangements, I know, Robbie, you know, you did a couple of, uh, uh, well, a series of things when you were making your record, uh, uh, and, you know, you've got those screens which just go, this enormous <laughs> widescreen yeah. kind of look. And, and so there's a lot of real estate going on there. So, I mean, anything that makes that easier has got to be um, yeah. useful. I mean, are those sort of things you, you would like to see in your door of choice as well? I mean, do you think you basically leading the pack a little bit here well that, that, i mean that immediately appeals to me yeah like you said because sometimes when i'm working on tracks i might have like anything upwards of like 200 tracks of stuff even if there's only like one thing happening on it one point of the track so you know having to scroll vast pages you know horizontally and vertically uh, is always a bit of a pain even with like a big two screen setup so i mean yeah that sounds like a great feature one of, the, one of the things Gaz said about the chord thing, I was wondering, does, does when that chord thing follow, all your parts follow the chords, do they, do they change the inversions and everything as well dynamically? How does that yeah. work? You've got, you can set each track's kind of inversions and there's various presets. You can have them doing jazz inversions or you can have them doing pop inversions, you know, well, pop uh chord uh voicings voicings rather than inversions um it's a really nice feature the chord track it's very nice it's and also it, it, you can have your monophonic audio tracks follow it too which is cool so you can sing over your one chord progression change your chord progression and then it'll it'll automatically change your vocal wow. track to follow your new chords that's pretty handy <laughs> it for does songwriting it, yeah, it's brilliant. It, it, it's really good. And it's really good fun when you start. Just start by putting, like, the most boring chord sequence in it and then <laughs> start m messing around. 
Do you get the opportunity to to modify those rules to your own style so you can set your own styles up so that it'll put these sort of inversions that you tend to use into a chord track? So you've got a sort of you style, or is that uh, asking too much? Because, I mean, that sort of making them more poppy is all sort of smacks of arranger keyboards a little bit, and I know how the panel feels about that. (laughs) I know how Robbie (laughs) feels about that specifically. (laughs) And, you know, it's a bit nylon trousers, isn't it, Gaz? No, Gaz feels about that as well. So can you? Uh, I'm I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think there's. I'll have to. I'd have to open it up and have a look. Uh, you've got. I, well, you can also make the chords uh, voice like piano or guitar as well. So there's a few. There's a, there's a, there's quite a bit you can do with it. Right. But I don't think you can do what you're suggesting. There must there, be. There but, must um, be some sort of exit. I mean, I'm sure it's not an impossibility. Maybe for version seven point five point one. Who knows? Um, anyway, well, let's. Uh, you can get that now. Uh, I'm imagining their servers are getting hammered. How big's the download, guys? A couple of gigs? Uh, 7.9. Flip- no, 7.09. Oh, flipping it. Yeah. Gigs. That's massive. Yeah. I, I think partly that is because there's a, there's a oh, new yeah, Halley on. Yeah, all the Halley and stuff. Just, well, actually, that's, no, that's a separate, that's a separate download. Uh, yeah, another big one. Ah. Mm. But mm. I think there's two things I'd still like to mention. Sure, carry on. Uh, there's this nit- little neat feature called re-record. Ah, yes, I so saw that. So, yeah. <laughs> which I, I think is great because, you know, I play a lot of guitar and I like to record one track in one take if possible. So it, I need to be able to re-record really quickly and just, you know, without losing the beat. And um, then I would like to ask the panel what they think of this uh, VST Connect, which has also been upgraded, and you can now even do MIDI tracks via the internet. How 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 do you see that? Because I don't know if you know, I've been involved in the company that developed the software initially that was called Digital Musician, and this they later sold the technology to Steinberg. And I was just wondering, is that do you? Th- think that could be a way a lot of people would be using online collaborative so, essentially through yeah. that that's something I'd I like that's something I always dream about doing because I've got all sorts of friends and producers and stuff all over the world um, particularly got a really good friend who's a producer who moved to Australia and um, we quite often talk about how great it would be to be able to really properly collaborate on projects um, as, as opposed to just having Skype open and commenting on stuff and all that kind of thing so, yeah, no, that kind of area really excites me. Have you seen how it works? Because it actually works that um, there's a kind of one-second offset. So if, if, if um, uh, very hard to explain for me in English, but so there's a buffer, you can actually sorry. record sample accurate to the other person's timeline by creating this one-second general offset for both it sort of gives you a pseudo kind of real-time recording capability. And, um, and then you can, it's go, it even goes as far as you can do a, a, a low bit rate uh, direct transfer. And then once you like the take, in the background, it will actually download the full res file for you. I think that's probably the closest we can get to something. And of course, there's a webcam and chat. And yeah, everything. well, that, that sounds like, like the way really to do try it. it. 
That, that, that sounds yeah, like yeah. the way to do it. That sounds like a smart thing to yeah. do. I mean, it's been a bit of a holy grail, hasn't it? Because I know Bitvig are trying to do the same thing, and a lot of their sequence, uh, when you boot up the sequencer, a lot of things are tied to the uh, your internal IP and then the uh, external server. And uh, I mean, the demos I saw of that many, well, gosh, months ago, probably last year, probably. I don't know whether they're going to get that right, but it seems like that we're waiting to get that right, but it would be very useful for sure. Uh, home like studio. Home Studio brought it out as well, didn't they? They brought out that completely collaborative. Yeah, DAW but I mean, th- th- that's fine. The thing about the Home Studio thing was the problem was is they were inventing a DAW at the same time, which kind of felt like yeah, it's like whoa, that's that's a lot of mm. a lot of stuff. It's, it's too much. Yeah, I, I had a go at it, and it was it was that very thing really. I thought, wow, I just you know to learn another DAW just was just too much. <laughs> and then VST Connect came out pretty soon after that. Uh, so one thing that's quite nice with the VST Connect is though, it's essentially you can save presets of people and have like mates as VST plugins. You, just, <laughs> you know, like, drop your drop your mate in on a, on a, as a plugin, like a Nintendo <laughs> Me or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a a, that's a great idea. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Um, well, I, we must try that sometime. I mean, I haven't got Cubase here, but I know, um, Gaz, we were talking about doing stuff with uh, Steinberg, trying to kind of get a little thing together, but um, uh, we were waiting for some motivation from them, I think was uh, a polite way of putting it. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, you can get it. It's available now. Uh, and it does look to me like, you know, because it, it does like, you get these kind of uh, head-to-heads with various DAWs, and it depends on what the development team are doing. And it seems like the... the the Steinberg Cubase guys are really sort of pushing at the ceiling at the moment and kind of creating interesting and sort of smart ways to use DAWs. And and again, you know, but the, as uh, Non Eric said, you know, the problem is with this is you can often end up in a situation where things get bloated. And it's like, oh, if you right click on this button, another menu can appear, and you end up with these sort of ridiculous amounts of sort of hidden functions and menu trees and all of that sort of stuff. But um, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, Just one thing. Oh, no, okay. Go. What's the really last thing on okay. this is, I think like I like to talk about the forty nine euros update price. Yeah, some people have been people complaining about that. And uh, what are your feelings, Gus? Is it worth forty nine euros? I'm sure. Uh, massively. I mean, you know, you get like almost like a complete iteration of machine of it of it. Oh well, cube. A brand new version machine. You get a fantastic algorithmic reverb. You get uh, like Halion Sonic Two, like a complete workstation. Um, you get the uh, the the stutter edit thing that uh, what's it called? The loop mash effects. That looks cool. Uh, you know, and the reverb that was formerly by Viso. Ah, okay. oh, sorry, didn't oh, want to interrupt. All oh, right, okay. Can you re- do you remember the Viso verb that was out just a couple of months? And the guy who no. wrote the uh, the part of it is now working for Steinberg and is doing... So the, I'm really eager to hear the new reverb, actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to check that out. But it's getting compelling. I just haven't got any room for another door. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to beat a test bit rig as well well I, I, I to be honest i haven't actually but since my laptop's gone because it's the one that's that, that's going to run it uh, hopefully i might get a chance to do that but um yes daw wars it's like a it's almost like a religious uh a religious global conflict isn't it you know it's the people are very sort of 
almost very pedestrian and stuck in their own ways. But, you know, so it has to be quite a compelling argument to jump ship and convert. <laughs> Perhaps political parties rather than religions would be a bit less, um, less controversial. Anyway, let's take a look at uh, our next topic. And this is uh, the, the one about the crickets choirs. And it's just quite interesting. This is a track by Jim Wilson. Let's see if I can get it to play. And it's... Uh, God's Chorus of Crickets, it's called. Now, are you going to play for me? Basically, the story of this is um, this guy called Jim Wilson who uh, created a track that he said was made exclusively from slowed-down crickets and created this amazing sound. And it had this lovely sort of uh, philosophical circular uh, discussion about it, which was it was slowed down by the amount of times that crickets' metabolism is faster than humans, you know, and then when they was slowed down, they sound like this. And it's quite Christmassy, actually. Unfortunately, he left the, the original crickets over the track at a massively high level, which is a little bit annoying. It's that snake. There it goes. Play it all because um, it's not a very interesting musically track, but that it was uh, Dave Spears br- brought this one up. But it, I, honestly, I can't believe how many how people people are so um, uppity about it. It was his original track from 1992, and then somebody obviously just sort of thought, I wonder if that's true. That's neat, and maybe you know it's easier for them to slow it down using like pull stretch or something like eight four or eight hundred percent. And there's this huge sort of argument um, that, you know, it can't possibly be, uh, you know, done that way. Um, I suppose uh, whether or not it matters, what do you think, how would you do it? Because obviously, I, I think that basically that what they've said is there was, there's been some um, people who slowed things down. And they think what they've actually done is he's sampled a tone from the slow bit and then pitched that and played that across. But it's one of these tracks which is... Um, it is a as a relaxation kind of you know one of those ambient kind of albums where almost the description of what it is is as important as the music itself. Have you ever done any of that sort of ambient stuff, um, Robbie? Oh yeah, I mean I, I love I love getting samples and totally mutilating them and slowing them right down and using granular engines and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so I, I, I yeah I was really intrigued by it. It does sound beautiful, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think? He, I mean, it sounds also fairly unlikely that it was actually just raw crickets, just kind of played and like, gosh, they're like a, a heavenly choir. Yeah, I know. That's what I mean. That, I mean, I did have a little bit of kind of cynicism about that aspect of it, um, whether that was a little bit tenuous, the kind of description of how it, how it had been achieved, because it yeah. does it does seem like it's a perfect, a great, you know, it's an absolute perfect cycle that keeps going around. Yeah, I mean. And, and it, it it does, like you say, seem like it may be parts extracted and then kind of manipulated after the event. But um, it's quite a lot of people talking about it. It appeals to our nature. We want it to be true, don't we? Yeah. I don't know if you do, Hans. You're the you're you're you tell us the truth. Don't hold back. <laughs> Hasn't got any guitars in. Well, well, I mean, I'm 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 only mildly excited. <laughs> to put it, <laughs> mildly excited. I think it's 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 uh, the human being always likes to be excited about. We are very we are very curious animals, you mm. know. We like to stick our nose everywhere and find interesting stuff. But in in the day to day sort of environment, I don't see. Um, well, I did I did one generative music on my modular synth once, just having things just play and 
almost sounds like sounded like crickets then so we could do the reverse effect <laughs> in the opposite right? direction yeah well that's yeah. what some people there's this whole sort of if you look here there's this whole um, set of people who've kind of what they've done is they've tried to take all these different sort of elements they say you know this is what it sounds like this is what it sounds like at uh, just slow down this is what it sounds like slow down even more that's a bit more like it and that's what it sounds like slow down even more and even more and even more and then uh, he said, and then what's great at this at the end, he says, look. <laughs> Astonishing. He actually found the Hallelujah Chorus in the crickets. Uh, that was by a guy called Dave Durango, who was obviously having a bit of a laugh with it. Um, I've never really got, I mean, I like the idea of that general, I know um, uh, Richard uh, Devine does a lot of that, but it's more gra- it's, it's more glitchy than kind of ambient. I mean, you do, like you say, get, um, uh, Robbie, you do a lot of um, granular stuff. I mean, do you find that you do that by hand or are there specific plugins you like to use or instruments that you like to use? Obviously, you, you, you don't have to give away your trade secrets, but uh, uh, as many as well, possible. I use, um, I love um, the Camel Audio Alchemy. Ah, yes. Yeah, and I also do it. Um, my recent love is another plugin by um, is is a virtual instrument called Granite, which is a granular, which is a granular virtual instrument. I have not heard that yet. Uh, a company called Sonic Arts, I think, make it. It's just standalone. It, it's a virtual instrument. You can get it as an AU, um, and I use that a lot as well. Really love that. Well, that sounds lovely. I know, Gaz. We've got uh, we've done a couple of things on uh, the iPad that, that seem to handle gr- uh, granular very well. Mm. Are you still using those, or is it just a sort of uh, you know flash in the pan? Uh, well, sampler I'm obsessed with, and you can do a certain degree of granularity stuff with that. Something I have been playing around with, though, and sorry to come back to Cubase, but there is a there is one in Cubase called Pad Shop, and oh, yeah. uh, that's actually really good. And I think as doesn't seem to be making as many waves as perhaps it should do uh, and there is an upgrade to it which i haven't got which i'm, I'm going to look into pa- to take it up to pad shop pro i think it's only a yeah. i think it's only a ten a tenner to do that or something but um but that's really nice that's a really really nicely laid out uh gr- granular synth and of course uh, omnisphere uh that's got a very nice uh granular mo- mode in it where it's got uh that really weird graphical interface so as you start to play with the granularity it starts to create this weird three-dimensional shape um which is quite fun uh yeah and then there's also skype which can uh, give you some quite good granularity that's another good one yeah Ooh, absolutely yeah 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 waiting for that to have your own sample import yeah it needs a bit great. of an update yeah yes Mm. right okay well anyway that was the cricket choir that was kind of fun and then uh, now that we've got another um uh this, this is a bit more fun this is uh, the unpaid engineer this is sent by shaka dan <laughs> dane who is uh, a regular listener i met him at the mute uh, roundhouse uh, gig a few well it must have been a couple of years ago lovely chap and he sent this one in so let's see if this will play um go time has been wasted she said, I'm leaving you! When did she left and returned her head? I only wanted the best for us! But you were never there! No, you were never there! And I'm sitting here... Oh, sorry, I can't say much more of that. Um, that was the, uh, the, the sort of uh, hardcore... Well, I, I don't know what you call that kind of music. It's sort of... 
Crapcore. Crapcore, yeah. Um, uh, chap, you know, local guy, local studio called, uh, uh, he was called Dan Atkinson. Uh, Dan's Lab Studios had kids, you know, kids in the street, you know, obviously sort of uh, acquaintances. They came in and recorded not that music, but they never paid him. And uh, he just got a bit hacked off about it. And there's a, there's actually a quite a, a, a tearful story on the website. There's another video where he sort of said, I was in hospital with my... Uh, with my wife and my baby just been born and it was all a bit stressful and she was worried about money and I just thought, you know what, I'm not doing this. So he went home and just thought he'd entertain himself and create a really crass dance remix to theirs and it's got over a million hits. So they've got this massive amount of fame. <laughs> he's the one who's getting all the ad ad revenue, hopefully, So it's and he's making T-shirts and stuff and it's sort of rather backfired and they... Um, it, it just goes to show what power an engineer can have, and it's really nice that it's worked out. I've, I, I just wonder whether anybody else has had um, one of those kind of moments where you know a client hasn't paid up, and you've come up with a really uh, ingenious way to either embarrass them into it or force them to pay up without getting heavy and legal on their sorry asses. Hands. Well, oh no, no, Robbie, you you look like you're ready there, uh, ready to go in. No, well, I, I I have this very simple policy: nobody gets anything from my studio until it's paid for. So you just you know, don't you just don't release the masters. They don't. They just don't get anything, and it's all up front before I do a project with somebody. In fact, most projects with new artists or whatever, I ask for try and get most of it up front before we start because it's just you know, particularly when you're not working with big labels or you're working with independent people or whatever, you just you know, you just don't know, and you ho- you hope they're coming to you because they know, you know, the whole thing about we'll pay you at the end when we see what it's like shouldn't really apply. Because it's kind of that, you know, extension of what we were talking before a couple of weeks ago. People hopefully come to you for what you do. And they know what you're going to do for them. So there has to be that kind of level of trust that you're going to do do what you say you're going to do for them. So, yeah, so I, I, I totally eliminate that. Days. Oh, well, fair play. Do you have someone who handles that side of things so you can be the nice, the good cop rather than the bad cop and the good cop? <laughs> yeah, I've got somebody who's a, um, who, who I use as an advisor, but I've just got very simple producer agreements that I give to people um, and, and it all has to be signed up front, you know, before I'll even even go in the studio. And that's kind of worked really well because everybody knows where they stand. Yeah, I think that's it. And also, because the thing is, is you never know. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you, you can be uh, good at your own work, but if you're brought a song that's a bit of a donkey and they're expecting a sort of number one worldwide smash, but you said it would be a worldwide smash kind of thing. I mean, you can't ever guarantee that kind of thing. So, you know, just, but the the, work, the quality of your work would be consistent no matter what. Yeah. And Gaz, what about you? Oh, I wish I was like Robbie. I'm a, I'm a fool and I give out loads of stuff and go get paid. So I, listen to Robbie, everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I, I, I'm very trusting and sometimes that's bitten me on the bum. So it's it's probably a good idea to be a bit upfront about stuff, really. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, particularly when it's creative, isn't it? Because there's so there's 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 ego involved more than just sort of a straight transaction. And it's some people can handle creative rejection or creative modification well, and some people cannot. And if you say, you know, the process is part of the process is helping them get the best from what they've come up with, which might be, you know, giving them some advice that maybe don't do that so much or that bit doesn't work. Some people just can't cope with that, and they use that as a reason to get uppity, and they go, well, I'm not paying because you, you said I was rubbish kind of thing. But, you know, actually, you were. I don't know, Hans, what do you do? Uh, well, I would say, uh, that re- Robbie reminds me of the good old lunatic days, where I would only license to Italy, Spain, and the UK 
if I have the money already on my bank account, because there would be no, never any royalty <laughs> checks or anything. So it had to be all up front in those countries. <laughs> <laughs> and and one thing I would say is, I mean, what is the legal situation on this? Because the guy takes the original recording, yeah. not being, not having been paid, releases this. He could get sued for doing this. And if he really wanted to hurt these guys, he should have produced a terrible, out of tune playback. Ah, but, the, but, the, but the law is, isn't it? The law is, is that um, the person who owns the recording is the person who's paid for the recording. So therefore, if the band hasn't paid for it, they don't actually own it. It's not their, it's not their intellectual property until they've actually paid for it. Oh, is that true? I, 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 yeah, I, I would I disagree, Robbie. Yeah. I mm -hmm. disagree. Do you? Yes. Because, the, I mean, even though um, their performance is still theirs, even if they never paid for the job of it being recorded. So if, even if... Or, Am I totally wrong? That's well, my uh, no, understanding. I, think because I, can't, the, 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 I can't release anything from anybody without a written agreement. Nothing. Yeah, not even a, a coffee. That, that's why record labels own the masters because they pay for the recording sessions. But they don't. They don't own the song, though, do they? They only own the recording. That's true. Yeah, the they just own that recording. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the difference. So I mean, if the guy had a publishing deal. And he'd released it and was making money because presumably a million and a half hits if it's got ad revenue, which I'm hoping it does, should generate him um, probably a couple of thousand bucks. I would have thought, which would have would have would have would at least cover. You'd think it would cover that session for God's sake. <laughs> Jesus, if it, if it costs more than that, then it's not surprising they didn't pay. But you know, I, I'm sure that's not the case. So I'm hope you know, and he's selling T-shirts as well. So he's turned it around. He's kind of quite an enterprising guy, and he seems like quite a sweet dude. The thing, but, I, the, um, thing I like about, the thing I like about it, though, is, is that uh, that particular style of singing is so tiresome and rubbish. You know, it's, uh, it, and it kind of, it sort of shows that up, really, doesn't it? It shows up that, that when you strip away the kind of angsty, guitar -y background and put a little yeah. sort of poppy thing, it makes the vocals just, Sad. it just makes them just seem just hilariously bad. Now, I did a, a compilation album a few years ago of similar kind of music and um uh and the thing was every song the the, the vocals were in that sort of style I, it was really tiresome to work on but that kind of approach to singing if you could call it that is is totally devoid of personality it's like they're all just trying to do this you know angry monster man or whatever uh and usually these, you know, and the kids quite often, and it's got nothing, it's got no emotional quality mm. in it at all. It's just... Well, it's, it's probably just easier to do that than it is to sing a beautiful ballad. It is. Um, and also, you, you know, is. you've got a lot of, you can get a lot of attitude out in that, I suppose, which is kind of what you do but, at that age. But isn't it uh, that the guy, uh, the kids who love this kind of music will say, hey... You just don't get it, you old guys. Yeah, well, we're, good. Well, that's true. No, they may, they may. But the thing, yeah, but what I found, I was, what I found is, I kept hearing because that's the second yeah. or third time I've heard it, only because I've had to sort of sync it up and get the video and what have you. And I keep wanting to rearrange the vocals. Go, oh, if you repeated that phrase, <laughs> that wouldn't actually sound too bad, you know. And trying to make a chorus out of it, and it's like, no, stop, stop. I, but I, I sort of can't help myself. And uh, maybe that's my 
my own problem. Well, it is. But I, mean, is I was it... going to see Nate. I was going to see Napalm Death back in 1988 as a 16-year-old or whatever. So I was there in the first in the first kind first of wave. Uh, the way first of wave, original. Yeah, but, um... so I can you know I've been in the marsh. You know I'm not I'm not an old fuddy duddy. You've done your time. Just, <laughs> I've done my time, <laughs> and I can detect rubbish when I hear it. So yeah. Sorry, non Eric, you wanted to come in. Yeah, I just wanted to ask if we c can st uh, still clarify the point about the legality of this, because from my understanding is, if I take anybody's recording without a written permission, I cannot publish it, even if it's a phone call recording or somebody in my house or anything, um, let, let alone about the legality of the recording or the rights on the recording, I as an I think I think that might be uh, specifically to, in German law. I don't know whether or not it's the, say, the case. Because, I mean, I suppose the thing is he took okay. their likenesses as well, and they're pretty hot on uh, video release forms in the States. Interesting. Maybe um, what would be horrible, obviously, is if they see, well, I reckon he made X amount of quid on the, uh, on the YouTube ad, so they'll get a no-win-no-fee guy and they'll go after him because some shyster lawyer will go, oh, there's a case there. I, can, I hope that doesn't happen because it just seems like... This seems like a kind of open and close and a kind of nice bit of just desserts, and hopefully... Uh, I just want to warn... Yes, before you start doing Germany. it. <laughs> Don't do that in Germany because I know it's illegal. <laughs> At least it's here. It's illegal. There we go. Sonic Talks, legal advice, uh, the council. Uh, Milad, uh, I put it to you that, yes, anyway, no, we'll leave it there, but uh, I'm not going to. I just wanted to say I'm not, I'm not distrusting of everybody I work with. It's <laughs> <laughs> just to come across like that. But, you know, I, I, just, I, just, I, just think that, I just think being up front and now having all that stuff sorted at the front puts everybody in a much more secure position, particularly on a project that might it's roll also, out. also, Robbie, uh, about when you when they do corporation. I think I have a break. My internet connections... No, I can hear you. We can hear okay, you. Okay, yeah. okay. Sorry. Because I think I was interrupting Robbie there. Sorry. No, no, carry Sorry. on. Carry on. No, I was just thinking, I think it's a, it's a great advice from Robbie. You know, get that out of the door initially at the... First thing, yes, you can. You know, is there money? Will will I be paid? Get that out of the out of your mind. And what I also did is, if I did in the past when I did collaborations on a track, even though we just even hadn't really yet started, I was writing a small piece of paper just like this, you know, and just writing down the basics of the deal and yeah. signing it. And that, yeah. and I kept that because later, in six months, yeah. when it's either died or got really popular everybody has a different vision on what yeah, was agreed exactly. at that point yeah well exactly. and also to be honest quite often if you're in uh, a collaborative scenario none of that stuff is even talked about because you're just going to see what happens and that's the that's where it becomes gray and difficult isn't it because almost you know in some respects i, I think maybe you're fortunate in that respect Robbie, because people come to you for a specific task or a specific kind of area of work whereas if it's like oh come around let's see what happens uh, by the way, if anything, and, and the first thing you do is say, right, I just want to get this out. It doesn't, you know, it, it might not, you know, yeah, you yeah. might not get that song written that you thought you might have got written or whatever it may be, but yeah. Um, shouldn't be scared in that situation. You know, people are reluctant to, to sort that shit out. Yeah. You know, Musicians. at the beginning. But it gets more and more complicated later on. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so get it done as, as early as you can. Yeah, because think... then... That, 
Yeah, I think that's a good good advice. Uh, the the earliest appropriate moment, perhaps, is the way to look at it. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, unpaid engineer. That was it. Oh yeah, this one. I like this because this is going to be this. This just sounded good. Uh, this is a video by a chap um, on YouTube. Uh, he's called Cooper Drummer with threes instead of E's. And uh, they were he was in a marching band. He plays the drum kit. All right. And Test they're in the Georgia Dome, uh, Georgia which Dome. looks like a, just a monstrously humongous stadium. I can give you some statistics on it later. And he just sort of wanted to check out the, what the reverb sound. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Listen to that. And... He's all right, because he's playing in time with the, uh, the, the reverb there. And this just got me thinking, really. Um, that's the Georgia Dome. Uh, that is basically it seats 775,228 for football uh, when it's full, or about 80,000 for concerts. Now... Would any uh, that basically that video means I would never ever go to a gig there that had anything other than maybe cricket in a God's cricket choir playing because that would just be a complete nightmare. But it, I just what what made me that is you know have you ever been confronted with a venue like that? I mean, Robbie, you've done some stadium tours recently where it's just like wow, how, how do you even decipher what the hell is going on? Well, we have a really we have a really kind of um, strict policy when we're together stuff for gigs and for tours we try and strip out anything that's just rubbish that doesn't we don't need and we try and you know keep things to their bare minimum just because we know the more you put in you know when you're in those situations you just lose all the detail and it all just sounds rubbish so we're kind of really kind of very kind of disciplined about trying to keep the arrangements sparse and um keeping the effects down on on elements that are running and stuff because like you say as soon as you get into a a big arena or something it just sounds like a total mess mm, and do you do you do you find that um have you been played anywhere where it's almost impossible to hear what's going on just because of you know say an, an atmosphere like that where the, the georgia dome where it's just sort of coming back a second and a half later or whatever i did a gig in a in a swimming pool complex <laughs> big swimming pool complex and that, needless to say it was everything everything just sounded like a big 80s snare from a ballad <laughs> by half or something it was horrendous <laughs> yeah it was it was just awful yeah i mean as a yeah. as a sound guy i mean coming up with that sort of stuff in fact um, hands i've got a story in berlin i did a gig in berlin i probably told this story before and there's a big disused um transport depot like a big bus station i think it was in the mm-hmm. eastern side or or uh you know somewhere in between it was absolutely when i went in there it was it was full of like 1950s and 60s coaches and buses, dusty. You know, I mean, it was one of the largest concrete spaces I've ever been in. And we did it, I can't remember what it was called, and they set up like a PA in the middle of it with a kind of big wire that just went from some crummy generator. <laughs> and the, the sound people just showed up and go, here you go. And literally it was like a pile of speakers and I had to build it and tune it to the room, which was just, you know, pointless. It was the bass drum and it just went... It was just, it was, and it was a jazz funk band with ten members. It was, it was one of the worst sound experiences in my entire life. Needless to say, there was a power cut, which actually was a godsend as it happened. So yeah, not so bad. Gaz, 
you must have played in that sort of place. What do you do? I mean, when you're live, do you find you because if you're not working with machines, do you find that you tend to gravitate towards the the pre delay tempo <laughs> or divisions of it? Um, it is sometimes difficult when the front of the house is really loud, so the reflection that's bouncing back off the wall and comes to the stage is louder than your monitoring. Uh, that can make for quite a difficult. Yeah, God, I can the, imagine. The ta- keeping the timing of that is sometimes a real problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's in the ear monitoring. Yeah, but I guess that's the way to go. It's, I mean, because you you did quite a lot of yeah. gigs with Carl Hyde, which are going to be in big. They were some of those were really big venues, but were they? They've obviously been around the world a few times with Underworld, so they probably know which ones to mm. avoid rather than because there must be some real donkeys. There's the uh, University Hall at Liverpool, which is just a giant mm. marble <laughs> container, <laughs> which just sounds awful, you know. And you try and avoid that, for instance. You know, we were fortunate to have the great John Newsham as our front of house engineer, uh, and you know he's 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 incredible. So he knows all the tricks of the trade, really. But I think having us in, we were all in in ears, really. So for that particular tour, it's a lot easier, that right? Was, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, we also had these uh, Function One speakers on stage with us that. The underworld speakers, really, really lovely. Um, so that gave us a more direct sound uh, for the vibration, you know, for that kind of bigness. Um, but it is always a problem. It's absolutely, it's always a problem when you play those big venues. Mm. Uh, I, Rooms, I, eh? Festivals, I, 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 just stick I, to I, festivals. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's quite interesting, isn't it, that, Bands like you 2 who've made their career of playing those massive venues, like Robbie was saying, they've managed to make their music. It just works in that sort of situation. Yeah. Relatively spacious Well, music. do you think that was it that span a whole genre? So we got, uh, what was it, the first real, uh, well, it was probably um, the first real stadium uh, band was uh, Simple Minds, wasn't it? They were the ones that kind of, because everything just had tons of delay and echo on it anyway, a massive eighty mm-hmm. snares. Uh, they're doing a stadium tour at the moment. I wonder what it's like, actually, for a band like that, who are so, you, you know, put their sounds built on these massive kind of venues where you start playing in little clubs and you just don't get that kind of stuff coming back. Must be a bit of a... Atlanta w- Sorry? Little anechoic chamber. Yeah. Don't freak them out. You just put... You yeah. just have a... Can I just have a SPX 90 in, in line with my in-ear monitors, please? Yeah. <laughs> we did a gig. We did a gig the end of last year in Singapore. Um, it was an outdoor gig. And it was on this... It was uh, this big, uh, big house, and it was kind of the, all the audience went up on, up on an angle, and um, there was this ridiculous slapback from the from the PA across across this where this house was, and um, we were all on in, in ears, which was fine, but some of the other bands were literally singing out of time because they couldn't oh, deal yeah. with the slapback. It was it was atrocious. Oh, yeah, ghastly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, they, we have got some more topics, but actually um, time has marched on, so we might save those for another week uh, and perhaps uh, we can come... I, oh, sorry, Hans? Nick, I did, a, I did a show in an underground public garage, a huge one. So the ceiling was only this. Right, okay. And it's documented on YouTube, you can see it. <laughs> oh, well, send us, uh, send us a link and we'll, uh, we'll have a look at that. That sounds, that sounds like great yeah. fun. Yeah, some of those spaces... 
that just don't work at all. Oh, but we had to do a lot of uh, shows at fairgrounds, you know, with big halls, like, like the Messe. Ah, yeah, yeah. These big halls on there, you know, when, when, the, when the trance and the techno was really, really big in Germany, they made so much, they, they could make so much money, they would book you anywhere, you know, big fairground halls, rubbish sound, obviously. So the concentration in the drugs had to be a little bit higher, as <laughs> usual. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Just, just as long as you're near the bass line or the bass drum, that's sort of, you know. That should be fine. Yeah, yes. it'll all be fine. Yeah, well, I used to work as a front of house engineer for a number of years, although it was a very small venue. But sometimes when confronted with something that was just such an alien space, I, I, you know, I just have no idea what to do. And you just think, this is going to be awful. And we've just driven four hours to get here. We're not going to get home till five o'clock in the morning. And it's all for just a waste of time so you just hope it's going to be a good vibey gig instead you know but you know that the band are going to be able to hear nothing um in those situations but i guess in ears uh will help that an awful lot so uh, that's that's one good technological breakthrough and uh, i suppose really uh, maybe flown systems that's one way where they where they do kind of work better because you get a white you get a, a more even dispersal and you don't get like the, the stack that's just firing it back and coming in so even though i do like the sound of stacks against a uh, against a flown system. I still, I'm old-fashioned like that. I like to feel a bit of pain. Mm. Anyway, well, um, I think that's it for this week. So I want to say thank you very much for everybody for joining us. A great, uh, nice, nice, fulsome chat room. Uh, if you want to check out any of the links or stuff mentioned in the show notes, uh, there will be accompanying show notes when this is up live. Uh, do come and visit us next week, 4 p.m. UK time. I think we might have a show or two in us before the uh, Christmas break. Um, 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live so we'll say goodbye to Mr. Non-Eric from musotalk.de go and check out his stuff because even if you don't speak German I don't as I've said if you're English or Anglo-Saxon any kind of then, then you get the gist of it you know it's actually not that hard to understand and uh, he makes it so good German simple. course that's right a great German course the advanced German course that's right for musicians <laughs> anyway thank you very much non Eric and uh, we'll speak to you again soon and also Mr. Robbie Bronneman at uh, Robot Studios there um, where he's uh, uh, waiting for the money man <laughs> I, didn't, really I, didn't, fast. I didn't pay you up front uh, uh, pull that fast one. <laughs> no well thank you very much for joining us Robbie and uh, are you kind of finished up for, before Christmas now or you got a bit of a slow oh, no, I've, got, I've got loads of things to do I've got loads of things to do I've got two or three projects that need finishing um, so yeah so no rest for the week as I said couple of Christmas singles to mix eh <laughs> that would be put, well, making actually, it no, tight just one I've got this little synth that turned up today. Somebody sent me from Germany. It's the Ploitech synth, which you just, it's got a midi stock uh, here. Oh, yes, excellent. That's, uh, in fact... So, um, looking forward to giving that a bit of a whirl. That's funny. Yeah. It's like a general midi chip with a bit of synth stuff in it, isn't it? You, you, you found that at Music Messer, um, Hans, didn't you? Yeah. 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 I think that's a good Christmas. That would be a great Christmas present. Excellent. MIDI powered, isn't it, actually? It's powered off, off yeah. MIDI, too. But be careful, guys. It only works with... It doesn't work because it's powered by MIDI. It doesn't work with all keyboards and MIDI connections. So you have to check the website if you own one of those MIDI devices that actually support it. Ah, power. on it as well. Sorry, what did you say there, Robbie? Missed that. It's got a USB connector on it as well, which I presume you can power it from. Oh, that's a new one then. Ah, yes, yeah. the Mark. The one that could, yeah. That's, that, that's the Mark II with the Curtis chips in it, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's mine. Yeah, that's mine. <laughs> right. It's 12 note polythene and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And also, Mr. Gaz Williams, gazwilliams.me, uh, with his. Uh, uh, your, I, I like that look, actually, Gaz. You've got the mic up front. It looks very uh, radio. Looks like late, late night with Letterman kind of vibe. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, I've got. Uh, if anyone's interested in the Cubase 7.5 thing, uh, I've got an update on my website. Uh, I've got a little feature with thoughts and musings about that. And I'm also going to put up a video later today if I manage to download it with a little uh, a little tour around some of the new stuff. So ah, that's, that'll be... Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 341. Uh, it's a wrap and I can fade to black now. Or wipe. Ooh. <laughs>